0: The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson. I also have lots of family members who should have been in prison. My dad's uh, stepfather shot a man at church. No, you didn't. Wow! Talk about the airing of grievances. This is 1930s. It's the coal fields of West Virginia. Yeah. He shows up at church drunk. You can see him running out through the field from the church, his little white shirt running. I just, my shot him through the back of the neck. Whoa! Oh my God. He lived. The guy ended up being fine, but. Uh... The Morning Blaze, weekday morning six to nine Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network, breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. If you've uh, never listened before, I hope you find a voice that uh, makes you think about things you haven't thought about before, that you feel challenges the issues, takes on the issues that nobody really is talking about as much anywhere else in mainstream media or even social media across uh, uh, the conversations that some are just not willing to have. This is Zudi Jasser. I'm an American Muslim, a patriot, a believer that uh, the House of Islam is sick. The House of Islam needs repair, and only Muslims can do it, can fix that illness, can treat the cancer of political Islam. And may the reform begin. Begin anywhere. Begin here. Bring those ideas of modernity, of Westernism, and defeat the ideas of political Islam. And like every week, we have a lot to talk about. And uh, today I'm going to bring you Sort of that uh, news out of Saudi Arabia, which so many are talking about this week. uh, The ridiculous statements from Mayor Sadiq Khan, as if we need more, but he said something particularly heinous this week. What's Russia doing impersonating Muslims? No, it's not Hillary Clinton or President Trump. It's it's about American Muslims. And last, and surprise, surprise, who is eulogizing, crying over the death of a Muslim Brotherhood icon in Egypt? We'll talk about that. First, this week, the news came out of Saudi Arabia that they were going to let women drive. Vroom. They're going to let them sit behind the wheel. Well, that's great. I have to tell you, so many people were saying this is the first drop in a in a rain of flood that will happen of freedom and and uh my first gut instinct was to be happy that things were changing and then quickly reality set in and actually my pessimism, which i'm I'm not usually pessimistic, but I just don't trust anything ever, ever coming out of the kingdom. So bottom line is is two things. First of all, it's not supposed to kick in until next summer, so as typical, nothing happens right away, but okay, fine, you're not going to change it overnight. Secondly is, I, I, women drive in Iran, they drive in Sudan. They drive in Pakistan. and Those are somewhat disparate disparate countries. But women equality is not a big part of their culture. Sharia law is part of their culture. Subjugation, oppression of women's rights is unfortunately part of their legal system. So driving has never been sort of that uh, gateway to freedom, that gateway drug to liberalism. But... It is certainly one thing. And I'm reminded, the first thing I remembered this week was a few weeks ago, Judicial Watch released more of those emails of Hillary Clinton and Huma Abdin. And one of the emails, Huma sent an email to Secretary of State Hillary Clinton from her mother. Remember, her mother was affiliated with some deep core Wahhabi Radical ideological organizations that she helped establish, that she ran the magazine of. And her mother's recommendation to Hillary was, don't mention, do not mention anything about women's rights or about, especially about asking when are they going to drive. Because, because it will offend them. It's not about driving most women don't want to drive, unquote. Now, the, re- the, the further quotations to paraphrase was that it will take away from their ability to be effective on so many other issues that'll distract, that'll be offensive, etc., etc. The same old apologetic line of utilitarian ethic applied to diplomacy that compromises at the altar of political promiscuity and subjugation of our own values, the need to advocate for freedom, to advocate for universal human rights. Well, now they're driving. Now they're driving. As Rafe Bedouin's family and his Twitter handle and others tweeted this week, Rafe Bedouin is the Muslim, perhaps now atheist but free thinker who criticized the royal family who criticized some of the ideas of Wahhabism and was put in jail because he hit the like button on a Christian Facebook page was put in jail because he said women should have the right to drive so now the council and Saudi Arabia is talking about the right to drive, that women can be able to drive. Rafe Bedouin stays in prison. When is he going to be let out? When is Rafe Bedouin coming out? That, now if he was freed, and apologies ensued about his need to have been able to express himself, that would be something wholly new. But the Wahhabis can make the argument that driving is about practicality, about women taking the kids to school, about all their traditional roles that women behind the veil, the niqab, with no identity can have. Driving doesn't give them an identity. Now, it does allow them the transportation to get to work to be able to become part of the workplace. So let's see if that evolves. Even the New York Times reporting on it talked about the ability to travel, to move as being perhaps an inherent step forward. The royal decree lifted the no driving ban left to open the question of whether women would need a male relative's permission to obtain a driver's license. I tweeted out, Upon hearing the news that highways at the border of Saudi Arabia will be bumper to bumper on the day women are driving. Probably not true, but think about it. Give them the freedom. The first thing they're probably going to want, the first thing they're probably going to want is to get out of that country or to have more freedom. Now, we'll never hear about it because of the completely obstructed ability to understand the true needs, the true wishes, the true dreams of Saudi citizens, male or female. Now, low oil prices have limited government jobs and often women have been unable to get into gainful employment, so possibly, as we saw with the Arab Awakening, possibly some of this is being driven economically. The New York Times, though, conveniently reported that, well, they had been relying on Uber and Karim, and other free movement sharing apps. Oh, no notation is made in that story that Uber had $4 billion placed into its coffers thanks to David Plouffe, Obama's old primary campaign assistant and staffer in the White House. But ultimately, we may see women working for Uber. Now, will they have an app to make sure that there's a segregation of men and women so women can only pick up other women? We'll see if Uber acquiesces. I think they will. Nobody invests onto a Saudi board and welcomes them without adhering to Sharia law. So it'll be Sharia-compliant Uber. Manal al-Sharif, Manal al-Sharif, a Saudi woman's right advocate who filmed herself driving 2011, posted the footage on YouTube, and celebrated thereafter, who was put in jail for months and released, sometimes weeks at a time. She was the Rosa Parks of this whole movement. Now, Rosa Parks might be a stretch, since the poor thing only received the right to drive. Not even close to equality. She was one of the moving leaders, leading figures of organizing groups of women for collective protests to demand an end to the ban on female drivers. So listen. By the way, she moved to Australia since then, where she's been able to drive for some time. So, I think this is a positive move. I don't think it's going to signal significant change. I disagree with so many of the writers uh, this week that heralded it as magnificent changes at MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, the 30-year-old, new heir to the throne, the crown prince that somehow this was his fingerprints. Sure, I think they're doing things to modernize their economy. I think they realize that no modern draconian Wahhabi modern economy can function without women driving. I think they see that. I don't see any religious reforms coming with that. None. I don't believe it for a second. The decree said that the majority of the Council of Senior Scholars, the kingdom's top clerical body, whose members are appointed by the king, had agreed that the government could allow women to drive if done in accordance with Sharia law. That's the way the New York Times story ends. If done with accordance with Sharia law. No reforms, no changes, nothing. They just can now drive according to the same Sharia law that a week ago said they could not drive. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, it didn't say that. It's the same. It's a modern Sharia law. Sharia law is modern. It's compatible with American Constitution. Somebody please tell the New York Times that it mentioned Sharia law four times in this story. And seems to be talking about some draconian theocracy that is completely incompatible with American law. And yet when they talk about Sharia law in interview. Heads of the Council on American-Islamic Relations and heads of every American-Islamic group. It's some benign legal system that has no contradictions needing reformation. Yes, I'm happy women may get the right to drive, but make no mistake, this is one drop in an ocean of reform that needs to happen for women's rights and against theocratic Islamism. This is Zudi Jasser. We'll be right back. Unreform reform this
0: you're listening to reform this with dr Zudi jasser the blaze radio network
1: the progressive movement is full of lies why do americans keep falling for the deception in his new book liars glenn beck reveals the simple answer
0: fear at our most basic level we're all afraid of something and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism.
1: Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at
0: glennbeck.com slash liars. Reform This with Dr. Zudie Jesser.
1: This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Every week, you and I, together, can address the things that so few people, unfortunately, especially in the Muslim community, have the courage to address. And I think you can walk away knowing that you heard a Muslim voice that isn't afraid to say the truth, to speak truth to power, to shake the trees, to lead reform, to be the head of the spear that the world lifts up in every way possible through media, government, academia, and activism against the Islamist threat. And this week is no different. I look day-to-day for where we can find those teaching moments in which each of you can take a little kernel of thought and ask your local Muslim friends, your neighbors, your friends at work, Muslims you may know in the community. Ask them what they think. Do they agree? You don't have to tell them it's Zudi Jasser. <laughs> Just say, hey, you know, women are driving. Does that mean Sharia changed? Women are driving. Does that in Saudi Arabia? They're going to. What does that mean, or is that actually not as great news as we thought because they really haven't talked about a mayor copa that they made a mistake. And sure enough, in the greatest countries in the world, the West, leaders of freedom, London, London, UK, has a mayor that's Muslim. And sure enough, since going into office, nothing has changed. Sadiq Khan uses his pulpit, his bully pulpit, to continue to say stuff that is just beyond the pale nuts. In a Guardian Live event, he said, and and by the way, I want to go over this with you because it is just beyond telling of exactly what the mindset is of these islamists now oh i'm sure many of of those of you listening who may be supporters of mayor khan or on the left or whatever may say how can you say he's an islamist he's sworn to the loyalty of the united kingdom and the queen and he's not an islamist he wouldn't have ever run he wouldn't have ever voted he's part of a western political system well, listen you can have anarchists, you can have those that are bold frontal anti-western and you can have those that use the system to slowly push forth ultimately an evangelically Dawa system of education that tries to slowly transform the west into a pliable force that helps establish Islamic states they see Britain and others yes they negatively view colonial history and yeah I'm not a fan of the colonial history but bottom line is is they now want to reverse that he said at Guardian Live my view was firstly I'm not exceptional I'm not exceptional and secondly think about what you're saying because what you are saying about the ban, he was asked about the ban, is not dissimilar to what Daesh or so-called IS says. So when asked about the ban on certain countries, which he labels as a Muslim ban, even though it included doesn't include the most significant major Muslim-majority countries on the planet, and now includes North Korea, Venezuela etc. He wants to compare what President Trump's doing to Daesh, ISIS. So, the way the Islamist mindset is is to morally equate a genocidal, terroristic barbarians, monsters, to a duly elected President of the United States. By the way, a President who While I might be a conservative and support many of his policies, I've been critical of. And this Islamist in waiting, who has called reformers like Majid Nawazi, called him an Uncle Tom, sits in the mayor's office, palace, whatever he sits in in London, and calls our president similar to Daesh. And and by the way, the language is so important here. Two things I want to focus on. He said, I am not exceptional. What is that about? Remember, we talk about exceptionalism, American exceptionalism, Western exceptionalism. What is that about? That is the core of what I'm trying to do on this program. And in the work is that liberalism, muscular liberalism, the ideas of freedom and and free speech and critical thinking and anti-theocracy on which the West was based is an exceptional idea that is the last best hope for mankind. And as the Muslim Brotherhood operative at Brookings calls his book Islamic exceptionalism. And I had a podcast about how deep the divisions are with his book versus what we view in America as American exceptionalism. And I'll tell you, as a Muslim, there's nothing more exceptional to me that allows me to practice my faith more freely than the exceptionalism in America. So Khan not only... Morally equated the president of the United States to ISIS, which is not only absurd, but exposes, exposes his real agenda, which is to allow his words to demonize, radicalize, and destroy the West and radicalize Muslims. There's no doubt about that, that that's where his heart is. And he said, so-called ISIS. I love it. The Islamists always say so-called IS because they don't think it's an Islamic state. Does he say so-called Islamic Republic of Iran? I've never heard him say that. So-called Islamic Republic of Pakistan? So-called guardians of the holiest mosque in Mecca to the House of Saud? I don't think so. But to ISIS, it's so-called. So, Islamic identification of a state is so-called if it's ISIS, but it's okay if it's theocracies, Ikhwani, Muslim Brotherhood. Did he call the Muslim Brotherhood when they were duly elected in Egypt? Did he call them so-called Muslim Brotherhood? I don't think so. So, I think it's very revealing. So... In The Guardian Live, Mayor Khan exposes for the West exactly what his ideology is. He doesn't have to swear adherence to Islamism, to the Brotherhood, or any of that to prove that he prefers Islamism over Western liberalism. Western liberalism is messy. Democracy is messy. You end up with Presidents and other leaders who who may say and do things that we strongly disagree with, where uh, during the campaign, President Trump said, "Islam hates us, that's messy what I don't think he knew what he was saying, but granted he was speaking to an audience, a electorate that was frustrated with the previous eight years of a president that had genuflected to every Islamic movement in the world except terrorist movements but every other theocratic movement from Iran to Saudi Arabia. So it's messy. (laughs) But it can be compared to the complete absence of any rights in Syria due to either ISIS or Assad, or in Saudi Arabia or Iran. He says he's not exceptional. We are exceptional. Anyone who lives here becomes exceptional. My parents became exceptional the moment they embraced Americanism and it embraced them back within hours of stepping foot on American land. That is what exceptionalism is. But even if they become mayor and achieve that dream that so few ever thought possible, still There's an old Arab saying that the child sits in the lap of the father, of the grandfather, and plucks and pulls at his beard. This is what's happening. So many Muslim leaders and organizations are sitting in our lap in America and Britain, plucking our beard, pulling at it, rather than advancing what we stand for. And pushing back against our enemies and the deep reform that is so overdue that should be happening. This is Zudi Jasser, and I'll be right back on Reform This.
0: You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser, the Blaze Radio Network. Today, this is Reform this with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is Dr. Zudi Jasser, welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. I bring you those stories, that conversation about what's happening on the front lines, the front lines of the battle, freedom versus political Islam versus Islamism. Social media is always at the top of that. and I've talked to you about the fact that I'll be going to Web Summit, websummit.com, invited by the Prime Minister of Portugal to be part of a panel on media and extremism and what we should do about it. It'll be in Lisbon in November, and I think this is the number one issue on the planet right now is uh, how to spread the ideas of freedom, how to defeat the ideas of Islamism, and especially Especially more point, most poignantly, the the militancy of those Islamists. But I think more curatively, the ideology, the ideology of the theocracy, the theocratic component that I think is the primary driving fuel. Now we learn this week, surprise, surprise, surprise. We learn that Russians, thanks to the Daily Beast reporting and likely elsewhere, but I'm. Um, Looking at the Daily Beast report of Russians impersonated real American Muslims to stir chaos on Facebook and Instagram, and also Twitter, by the way. Russians impersonated real American Muslims to stir chaos on Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, it came out this week that uh, also all about the issue of how Russia played into a lot of the left-right narrative and with cheap ads increased significantly the amount of division and played into the division it's like uh, surprise this is exactly why the left is working with the Islamists they know that identity politics so all of a sudden I'm seeing reports this week at how Russia played into it and I say wait a minute have any of you watched Russian television? Have any of you watched Al Jazeera? They share stories all the time. The Islamist global propaganda aim against the West is almost identical to Russia. That's why press TV in Iran, which is the English version of the Khomeini's propaganda machine, basically is hand-in-hand with the Russian propaganda machine. Blaming the West for ISIS, saying that uh, John McCain created ISIS, America created, Obama created ISIS. All these narratives that may have a little bit of kernel of truth about a meeting that happened or a few arms here or there. But the bottom line is, is generally it's a complete misdirection from... The Saudis created ISIS, or that the ideology created it, or Islamism, or that Russia was fueling by releasing Chechnyan jihadists to go into Syria, or it's playing of the Sunni side versus the Shia side in the sectarian cataclysmic battle happening in Syria and Iraq. <laughs> so... The Daily Beast is reporting that the United Muslims of America, a group that had existed for thirty years and now happened to have gone dark because of funding and other things, and from California, all of a sudden there's a website at Facebook backslash Muslims America that was basically a Russian prop. It was a front to reach American Muslims and their allies in which the Russians were pushing memes like Hillary Clinton funded and armed Al-Qaeda and the so-called Islamic State. They claimed that John McCain was ISIS's true founder. They praised Qaddafi for not having a Rothschild-owned central bank again. Conspiracy theories. They talked about Osama bin Laden being a CIA agent. Classic old Mujahideen versus Russian talk. It was an imposter account. Turns out the Kremlin-backed trolls, as Daily Beast reports, was simultaneously using other accounts to hawk virulently Islamophobic messages. Now, they use the term Islamophobic, obviously anti-Muslim messages to right-wing audiences talking about stop taking all and every Muslim refugee. So it was an active measures campaign of bipolar approach and they used known entities to fake the reality. And Daily Beast quoted the original president, the most recent president of the United Muslims of America, and he basically says this wasn't us, and a lot of the verbiage wouldn't be stuff they would use. But certainly they walked into an Islamist-sympathizing website and just made it more extreme. And I think there's a lot to be learned here is that if you truly are pro-American and you are anti-Russian, Why is it that it's so easy for the Russians to use the Islamist ideology and just exaggerate it? Because it's similar in its anti-Western mentality. How is it across the Middle East that the Arabists, the Arab dictators of Nasser and Assad, Assad and Saddam Hussein have long said a lot of the same memes as the Islamists who are theocrats? because they're also anti-Semitic, they're anti-Western, anti-individual freedom. So please, if there's anything we learn from how the Russians use social media to tap quickly and easily into the divides that the left and the right have, into the divides that the Islamists have been exploiting for years, is that the Islamists have paved the way for the enemies of the United States to exploit on their behalf the identity politics of the Muslim is fodder is fodder for exploitation by fascists that hate the United States of America now it's fan- it's fascinating that the Islamist that Daily beast interview says. Facebook must take responsibility for this they they must not only say they will remove it but be part of the solutions that Farhana Kara of Muslim Advocates and you and I talked about Muslim Advocates last week ah now when the islamists are openly being hijacked by the russians they want Facebook to fix it but when i've been talking when we've been talking about social media being exploited by Islamists spreading conspiracy theories and other precursors of radicalization, Kara didn't want anything to do with it and said that that was fear-mongering. So you see how dishonest and corrupt these victim-mongers are that they are not about solving the problems, but advancing their American Islamist collective in whatever venue or avenue they see possible based on today's news. They're not ideologically consistent. They are parasites who feed off of anti-Americanism, pro-Islamism, and anti-Westernism, an obstruction of any movement to advance liberty against free thinking. Individuals. Can't believe she'd say Facebook has a responsibility to be part of the solution. All the while, when I testified sitting next to Farhana Kara of Muslim Advocates, this leading so called ACLU type group of lawyers of Muslims, who the Obama administration's attorney general spoke at their fundraisers and annual dinners, surprise, surprise, when I talked to them about social media. Exposing the anti Semitism, the Holocaust denial, all the precursors that exist openly on the web, they ignored me. They said this is not an expert in radicalization. He has no right to be talking about these things. It's oh boy, you know, I'm my Arabic accent has shifted into a Russian accent. (laughs) It's absurd. So now the United Muslims of America finds itself, oh my God, we were hijacked by the Russians, oh my God. Yeah, it's an important story. But we also need to look at why. How did that happen and why did it happen? Because the Islamist ideology is not about pro-Americanism. The Russians would never want to hijack a. a, a organization that was promoting true American liberal ideals because they couldn't divide America along that path. A lot to be learned as this Russian stories unfold. But I think at the key you're going to find the solution it comes to fighting Islamism, fighting dictatorship, and promoting democracy. You can never go wrong with that. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform
0: This. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray.
1: The reason people aren't more freaked out about this is cuz they first of all they've never heard of most of this. And secondly, Are if, you kidding? There if you look at any no, vaccination, I'm not, I'm not kidding. If you look at a vaccination, the vaccination thing they have has been al- disproven. Aluminum? Uh, the vaccination thing has been totally and completely discredited. You need to stay off certain websites <laughs> and check into some actual research on this.
0: Pat Gray. Weekdays noon to 3 Eastern, only on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jesser.
1: This is Zudi Jesser on Reform This. Welcome back to the last segment this week. And I want to leave you on this week's program with you know i think sometimes we we disregard what's said at the time of people's deaths that somehow we say nice things about everybody so therefore let's just ignore what's said when certain icons die but i also think there is nothing more true more revealing more transparent than the words or the silence when someone dies. And a number, thanks to John Rosamondo, uh, the investigative project who always does fantastic work. Investigative project of Steve Emerson and uh, their researcher and writer, John Rosamondo, do fantastic work at reminding us and exposing some of the things that are often, too often, and almost everyday missed that are major, major teaching points. And he points out this week that a number of U.S.-based Muslim group leaders who vehemently reject evidence connecting them to the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood in public made a point of publicly mourning the group's former spiritual guide who died in prison this week. Muhammad Aqif, who was head of the Muslim Brotherhood from 2004, to 2010, had signed a 2004 fatwa. Remember, we were in Iraq then. The Muslim Brotherhood signed a 2004, just 13 years ago, written by the Muslim Brotherhood leader, Yusuf, spiritual leader Yusuf al-Qardawi, which said that, quote, Muslims had an obligation to kill American citizens in Iraq since they are in Iraq, in order to assist the soldiers and the occupation forces. It is forbidden, however, to desecrate their corpses, unquote, of the fatwa of Yusuf al qardawi and Muhammad Atif. Further, it's said that bombings against American soldiers in Iraq and against Israelis in the Palestinian territories were religious obligations. Akif said a few months before signing the fatwa, the religious ruling, during an interview with the Egyptian al-Arabiya newspaper that was translated by the Middle East Media Research Institute. When asked about Osama bin Laden being a terrorist, he said, without a shadow of a doubt, he is a jihad fighter. He opposes occupation, and he does this to get closer to Allah. May he be praised and extolled. On and on. The examples. He used to come to the United States in the 90s and helped inspire the foundation of the Muslim American Society, which a 2004 Chicago Tribune research piece by Muslim author, reporter, talked about the secretive nature of so many chapters of the Muslim American Society. Muslim Brotherhood members founded the MAS, and were inspired by the ideas. Many imams, including Shaker al-Sayyid, who recently is well known in Dar al hajar Masta, have defended female genital mutilation as being necessary because of the hypersexuality of women. And unfortunately, John notes here that uh, the guy's still on the job, even though he had been supposedly fired. And what's amazing about this week's comments pouring in from American Muslim Islamist leaders. Nihad Awad, the executive director of CARE, said, what kind of tyrannical regime would imprison a sick 90-year-old man who resisted the colonizer, raised generations on righteousness and the love of their country? His Twitter post was in Arabic. Arabic. So Awad's followers in America would not have noticed. Hello, CARE is a brotherhood organization. There's no doubt. What they say in their heart is when they see this man as a martyr, that is what Nawad sees the head of the brotherhood. Sam Omeish, who we've talked about here before too, who was connected very closely to uh, Senator Tim Kaine, and Kaine, who was uh, Hillary Clinton's vice president, uh, came to a lot of criticism, and we had multiple press releases about that, not only recently, but back in 2008, when Omesh was awarded a certain award by Senator, Senator Kaine. Omesh was originally a a leading board member, not only of Dar al hijra that employs that radical Imam al-Sayyid, but of the Muslim American Society, he helped lead that organization in many aspects. Omesh acknowledges his past Brotherhood membership and called it a wonderful experience. He's also lavished praise on the Muslim Brotherhood, according to John Rosamondo. Omesh said on Akif's death, In the higher, he prayed that Akif be placed in the higher paradise with the prophets, the pious, and the martyrs whose company is exalted. The best of people is he who lives longer and perfected his deeds. I remember this giant man, I remembered his smile and the warmth of his faith as a pious guide, a passionate father, a decisive leader, and an ascetic laborer. Do I need to say anything more? Do I? A Awad. American so-called moderate Muslims who appear on American media all the time are eulogizing one of the heads of, of a global movement that is completely at odds with America and everything we stand for. And I, as an American Muslim, see these, these types of theologians of the tree of Al Banna, Sayyid Al Qutb, and the entire Harikat Al islamiya the Islamic movements, as being the root of the primary cancers in the Middle East. And nobody seems to be batting an eye that these guys were eulogizing the leader. Of this organization. As a martyr, as a hero. I—I, To every last breath left on me, I would never want my children hearing me say about a theocrat, a misogynist tyrant, who when the Brotherhood ran Egypt, drove it even further into the ground than the Mubarak tyrant did. Or now Al-Sisi. The theocrats are worse than the secular Arabist Sharia dictators. And they're certainly not any better. But their movement is global. It's about the caliphate. It's about destroying the West. It's about hating what we stand for in America and what I stood for in my uniform as an American naval officer so our enemies and eulogies matter eulogies matter what you say and what you don't say how many of them and how many Americans eulogized the passing of Hugh Hefner this week it matters you can laugh and other things and part of free speech I guess certainly didn't have high enough respect for what he did to eulogize the guy. So you don't just eulogize people by mistake or just to be respectful. Your kids hear that. Your kids understand that that becomes what you an example of what you emulate. So for the love of God, I am tired of hearing the Council on American Islamic Relations, the Muslim American Society, complain about being labeled a brotherhood front group, brotherhood sympathizers, brotherhood ideologues when they openly pray fealty to the leaders who have sworn to be enemies of our soldiers and of our country in wars in Iraq and elsewhere. These are our enemies, and ideologically they hate what we stand for, And yet, they try to defend them from becoming labeled a terrorist organization, all these things, and yet, it is a conspiracy theory to say that they're part of the Muslim Brotherhood movement in America. And the only reason some of us end up, well, dismissing that is because, no, they don't carry cards as Muslim Brotherhood, but their ideology is so obviously Islamist that if they're Arabic And Islamist odds are very high if they're not terrorists that that they're Muslim Brotherhood on their way to becoming terrorists or precursors of often militant mentalities. And Omeish and Nihad Awad and Hooper and others are clear examples of Islamist Ikhwani, Muslim Brotherhood, ideology. So no, not only am I not going to eulogize Muhammad Aqif, we will not, us in the freedom movement, liberal Muslims who believe in secular democracies that are American first, British first, speaking on my own behalf, but I can tell you none of us are going to miss that guy and may he rot. Just like if you told me Putin died tomorrow, the head of the Communist Party of Russia died, the head of the Ba'ath Party, God willing, he'll die tomorrow in Syria, Assad and all of his agents. These are evil people. And the head of the Muslim Brotherhood is no different. Now, was he put in prison through a just process? A reliable judiciary? Egypt does not have that necessarily, no. They've been imprisoning more journalists in the last 6 to 12 months than ever before. But that doesn't make the Muslim Brotherhood a sympathetic movement that I have any empathy for. Wake up, America. Join us in the reform. Join us in the exposure of the ideas. Join us in the exposure of Islamist groups in America under the cover of freedom that are advancing and praising our enemies. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. God bless you. We'll see you next week.
0: Breaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.